Well, good morning, Richland Creek. It's good to see you all here on this Thanksgiving week. And uh, hopefully you have your uh, elements with you as you came in. You saw those elements in the lobby today to take the Lord's Supper. We'll do that at the end of the sermon today. So if for some reason you would like to go ahead and go get those or grab those before we get done, those are available in our lobby today. also want to uh, mention to you, we will be in Psalm 111, Psalm 111 today uh, for our time of study in God's Word. So if you have your uh, Bible with you, just start turning to Psalm 111 as we'll be looking at thankfulness and exactly what it means to be thankful. Uh, we, as, we as Christians celebrate Thanksgiving different than the world. We have not only the God that we know so personally to be thankful to, but we have the cross to be thankful for. And so uh, even as we just sang, this is, this is a special week. Uh, we can be thankful 52 weeks a year, but we have a, a deep thankfulness to the Lord. Now I want to mention a couple things uh, here coming up in the next uh, few weeks at the creek. Uh, you know, the Lord is, has blessed us as a food pantry. We have a food pantry that operates twice a month here, serving our local community. And uh, just a week ago, a couple weeks ago, uh, November 13th, when we had our last food pantry, we served 237 families just that day. And so praise the Lord for that. As, as this season and the holidays go, we're going to see more and more folks coming through the pantry, and we have another one coming up this Saturday. And because of the nature of the, the supplies we get, we get a lot of stuff from local grocery stores and different places. Uh, we, we could use a little extra help this week. So what I'm just asking you, we do have um, over in the lobby, uh, like our main lobby, we do have barrels in which we collect stuff for a food pantry. And in that, on those barrels, you'll see a list of the items we could use as well as to go on our website. There's a list there as well. We would love to have your help as a church this week. As you think about Thanksgiving and giving back, that's a way you could serve our community as we look forward to this Saturday's food pantry. Just this week, uh, we could use your help in uh, restocking uh, for our food pantry. I also want to mention something else to you we're doing special. After Thanksgiving, just in a couple weeks, about a week and a half on a Wednesday night, December 1st, we have something called a family night in Bethlehem. And on that night, we're going we're gonna to take downstairs in this building for our children, transform the downstairs where there'll be music at the stable and, and they're going to have food at the Bethlehem bakery. And there, there's going to be all kinds of things going on for the children downstairs as they process what it would have been like in Bethlehem, as well as we'll have something for families, for students and for adults here in this room uh, that night as well. And we'll gather at the very end to, to, to come together for worship and uh, for us to have a, a few moments to remember the Lord Jesus. And so we'll do that on December 1st. It's a Wednesday night. It's the normal time. If you're used to being here on Wednesday night, it's at 6.30. We'd love to have you there uh, with us for a family night in Bethlehem. Now, if, you're, if you have your Bibles open to Psalm 111, would you please stand and honor of the reading of his word, I'll read these 10 verses of this psalm. And as we do it, our time in the word today is meant to, to draw our hearts to be a thankful people. So we're going to use this as a study to stir us to thankfulness uh, to the Lord. So beginning in Psalm 111, uh, starting in verse 1, the word of God says, Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the company of the upright, in the congregation. Great are the works of the Lord. 
studied by all who delight in them. They're full of splendor and majesty is his work. And his righteousness endures forever. He has caused his wondrous works to be remembered. And the Lord is gracious and merciful. He provides food for those who fear him. And he remembers his covenant forever. He has shown his people the power of his works in giving them the inheritance of the nations. The works of his hands are faithful and just. And all his precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever to be performed with faithfulness and uprightness. He sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And all who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. Let's go to the Lord in prayer today. Heavenly Father, we do as a people have much to be thankful for. So we pray today you would use your word to stir in our hearts a deep thankfulness to you and for what you have done for us. We pray these things in Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. You know, as a child, there are some things you don't have to be taught. You don't have to be taught how to be hungry, how to sleep, how to breathe, even how to cry if you have a young baby. It comes natural to us. But there are some things that as children we need to be taught. In particular, as a parent, one of those things I think of with my children is they need to be taught manners. Taught at the table to chew with your mouth closed, right? You know, my personal favorite is, is don't interrupt a conversation someone else has. And one that I learned as a child and I want to teach my children is that when others do something for them, for you, you say, thank you. You, you, you respond with gratitude. And so you oftentimes, I'll say to my kids, just as I did a couple days ago, somebody did something for them, and I say, what, what do you say, right? What do you say? Thank you, right? And even when people give you a compliment, it's funny, I, I thought of one of my children, I forget which one it was, a couple years ago, somebody came up and gave a compliment, said, you did a, you did a really good job with this. And their response was, I know. <laughs> they like, we got some work to do, right? You, you should say, thank you when someone does something for you. And what's challenging is that you don't always feel that gratitude when you say it, right? I mean, even when you tell a kid to say thank you, it's thank you, you know, it doesn't feel like it comes from the heart. And I, I think of when you go to a kid's birthday party and they're going through all their presents, right? And they're one present after another and they open it. What do, you, what do they say? You get them to say, after every present, they're, they're moving on to the next one. And there's that, thank you, you know, thanks. Who was that again? And then next present, right? And, and so there's this, you're saying it, but you don't really mean it. And, and when we, we as Christians, there's a lot of times we, we might come to church or 
come to the Lord, and we're, we're coming to the Lord to sing like a song we just sang, thank you, Jesus, right? We're saying it, but we don't actually mean it. There's, there's nothing going on behind those words. And so this psalmist here in, in Psalm 111, he, he's like a worship leader, very possibly someone that's, that's in a, a congregation, an assembled group leading them. He wants to call them to worship. Look at verse one with me. He says, praise the Lord. He calls them to praise God. Literally, hallelujah is how he starts. And he says, I will give thanks. It's the only time he refers to himself as a first person in the whole psalm. He says, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. And look where he's gonna do it. In the company of the upright in the congregation. That's why we think this is a worship leader, because he's in the midst of the upright, those who are followers of God. So it would be like you today, you're in the midst of the church, those who are believers. And so you're, you're gathered in the congregation, the assembly. And so when you come, you, your goal is to give praise to the Lord, as he says, with his whole heart. All that he has, he's coming to give praise to the Lord. So when you came in today, when we just sang, when we're reading his word right now, are you engaged? Are, are, you, are you coming as one to, to give your whole heart in worship to the Lord? Or would you say what you've been doing today is half-hearted? Are, are you bringing it all to say, God, I am here to worship you? And so what I'd like to do, I think... I think this is as the psalmist is doing it, is he's gonna, he's gonna bring out the greatness of who God is. And as he does that, it draws our hearts to want to give him thanks. So that's what I wanna do. Take Psalm 111, we'll unpack it, and, and my hope is as you listen, it, it's gonna stir your heart to wanna give him thanks and him glory. Because the greatness of God brings gratitude to the heart's of believers. You see, that what, that's what stirs us, is when we look at how great God is, that's what brings about real thankfulness in our hearts. So we'll take Psalm 111 and do that today. So how, how do you do that as a Christian? How do you take the greatness of God and let it stir this thankful praise to God? And here, here's the first way, is that we study his greatness. We study it. The, the way you become more thankful is to mine the depths of just how great God is. Look at verse two and three with me and listen to what he says to do. Great are the works of the Lord studied by all who delight in them. They're full of splendor and majesty is his work and his righteousness endures forever. Look at his descriptions there. The works of the Lord are great. Verse three, they're full of splendor. They're majestic. Even verse four, he'll call them wondrous or they're wonderful. So when he talks about the works of the Lord, they're these Great and mighty, awe-inspiring works of what God is doing. 
So God has these amazing works that he does for us, and the psalmist is saying, look at them. Study them. Do you see it there in verse 2? It's These works are studied by all who delight in them. So if you want to delight in how great God is, you will study how great God is. You, you will press in and learn more about God's greatness. Think about going to school and when you are sent home with a test and you go home to study that test. What do you do to study for that test? You sit down and you learn it, you read it, you meditate on it, you learn more about it. Things you didn't know before, you learn now. And so what you're, you're gonna have to do for, for your heart to build this deep thankfulness is you're gonna have to study the great works of God. You know, Every, every time you walk outside and you look up in the sky, there's this amazing, great work of God. We sometimes miss it. And especially here in the, the city where we've got a lot of light, you, especially at night, you don't get to see it. But if you've ever been out and you go out in the country and you're out, out in somebody's yard or out in the field and there's no lights, no city lights anywhere near you, and you look up in the sky and it's, it's beautiful. Have you seen this before where it's just stars upon stars? You couldn't see them when it was cloudy. You couldn't see them when there was other light from the city. But when, when you're out there, you just see the depths of this universe that God has created. And what's amazing about the universe, I, th- I think God has put it there to teach us something about himself. Because because we can't find the end of it. As big and as smart as we think we are, we look out there, we can't find the end of it. You know, astronomers say that there are more stars in the sky than there is sand, grains of sand on our seashore. Just think about the depths of the sky that you look into. The works of our mighty God, right? Then press it down and think about our our world here, uh, the earth, how big is the universe? The earth could fit in the sun 1.3 million times. That's how big the sun is. And then you come down to our earth uh, in this universe and there's 7.9 billion people on this earth. And in the midst of almost 8 billion people, God knows the details of your life. And not only does he know the details of your life, but you can look down to the very parts that God has made of your body and wonder at how he's made your eye and your hand and your brain and your heart and the works of God. And that's simply just his physical creation. So when, when we talk about studying the works of God, we talk about knowing what he's done. And, and here's, a little, here's a little extra piece here in Psalm 111. You might not have seen it. At the end of verse 3, look what happens when you study. It says, his righteousness endures forever. Meaning that the deeper you get in your study of the works of God, you'll always find he is a righteous God, 
both in his thoughts, but as well as in his actions. His works are righteous. So how does that connect to you today? Here's how it connects. That this righteous God who is working all of creation, maybe in your world right now, you have a cloud that feels like, is God really righteous? Is he really good? Because whatever's in front of you, whatever bad has happened to you this week, yesterday, this month, whatever path you're on, you're like, it feels cloudy right now, Lord. I have a hard time thanking you. And the Bible says, the more you press through those clouds, the more you study the works of God, the more you'll find just how righteous he is. So the more you unpack that, the further you press into knowing God's character, the more you'll learn that we serve a righteous and good God. I promise you, you may look off far into the sky and you look and see those depths. In that moment, you should look up and see, wow, what a wonderful, big, and mighty God we serve. So we study the greatness of God, but we also need to remember the greatness of God. Here's the second thing. We remember his greatness. You see, the psalmist begins to look into the past, starting in verse 4. And the way that the psalmist knows that our hearts will be stirred to gratitude is to look back. You know, we're a forgetful people. I mean, I can forget anything. My wife says she can remind me to do something at the top of the stairs, and by the time I get to the car, it's gone. And that's true. I can forget something real quick. And so when it comes to God's faithfulness in the past and what the Lord has done, I am quick to forget all the great things God has done and quick to start fretting and worrying about what's going to happen tomorrow. So the psalmist knows this about our hearts. It says we need to remember. And so what he does here, uh, we're in Old Testament, so we've got to start thinking Israelites and God's people. And so what he's going to do is take just a few verses and walk back through God's deliverance through the Exodus. If you know your Bible history, this is when they're captive in Egypt and, and Pharaoh has them and they, they, they break out. You remember the Passover happens, they get out, the Red Sea, they're in the wilderness, and then they're on their way to the promised land. So think of that part of the story. And the Bible says that just like they were exiles in the desert waiting to go to the promised land, we as a people today are exiles in this world waiting to go to heaven, right? So that we're just like them in this journey. And he, he's going he's to remind them of just how faithful God has been. Look at verse 4 with me. I'll, I'll show you the traces of the Exodus here in his words. Verse 4, he says, He has caused his wondrous works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and merciful. So when the Israelites were in, in Egypt, God says, you need, to, you need to get out of here. Now on that night, he said he was going to release the Israelites and said, if you paint this over your door, the, I'm going to pass over your children. And the Children of the Egyptians are going to be slaughtered. They were going to walk away. And it was this reminder of God's faithfulness to pass over them because of the blood of the Lamb. When they get out, God says, I want you to remember this by celebrating the Passover supper. 
In the same way that he talks about remembering God's work, wondrous works today, we're going to take the Lord's Supper as we remember the work at the cross. We are forgetful people. He says, I want you to remember what happened in, in the land there. Notice when they get, in, when they get out of Israel, they, they start wondering. They don't have food. They start getting hungry and say, God, I know you were faithful there. And they start grumbling. God, why, what are you going to do? Verse 5, look what he reminds them of what God did. Verse 5, he says, he provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. He says, listen, remember back to when God fed you manna in the wilderness. I know you forgot that he was faithful in Egypt and he took you out of there. But listen, don't forget that God fed you when you were in the wilderness. But he carries it further because even after God feeds them, they come up to the promised land and they say, God, are you going to give us this promised land? And what do they do again? They forget that God is faithful. Look at verse 6. He has shown his people the power of his works in giving them the inheritance of the nations. Hear the promise there that he was going to give them this new nation. And so they had forgotten that God was going to be faithful there. And then finally, verse 7 and 8, he gives them the law. The works of his hands are faithful and just. All his precepts, his laws are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever to be performed with faithfulness and uprightness. It says, remember that, that God was the one who took care of you and gave you this law that led you through this time. So he knows just how forgetful of a people we are. So let me ask you today, have you forgotten the faithfulness of God? You may be standing on the edge of a trial or a difficulty. You may be on the back end of that. You may be stepping into something that your, your children are, are in a difficult spot. Your parents are in a tough spot. I, I don't know. Across this room, we got all kinds of challenges for tomorrow. And what we do, just like the Israelites did and just like the psalmist is doing here, we forget. And he says, remember God's faithfulness. R remember what God did. And you want to well up some thankfulness today? You need to start laying out what God has done in your life. So one of the exercises I think that's really helpful for me is to write these things down. In your spiritual walk, I don't know what you like to do. Maybe you have some note cards you work with, and you have a few notes in your Bible. You make notes here or there. Maybe you have a journal at the house that you write in, a prayer journal. I don't, I don't know. Some place in your spiritual life that you write stuff down. I would encourage you to, to take a moment and write down God's past faithfulness in your life. Have you done that before? Have you, have you taken an, an inventory, an exercise, and looked back throughout your life and thought about where God was faithful and written it down? I, I, you say, why, why do I need to do that? You need to do that because you forget. You need to recall these things to your mind. Maybe you, don't, maybe you don't write it down. Maybe you sit with somebody and for an hour just talk about how God has been faithful to you. 
And out of that recall comes thanksgiving. How many times have you ever been on the back end of something in your life and you thought, man, Lord, I had no idea what you were protecting me from then. If you would, if you would have said yes to this prayer request I offered or if you would have allowed me to go down this path or if this would have happened, God, I, who knows where I would have been, but because of your kindness, because of your covenant love with me, I'm so thankful for what you've done. And so when you, when you pile all that up, and it, it is, this happens in the Bible. They, they pile up a bunch of rocks often to remember what happened in the past. And when you do that, you pile all that up, you start to look at tomorrow and you go, nah, what do I have to worry about, right? What, what is this worry tomorrow? Because God, you took care of this, 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 and this. It gives you confidence. And so that's how we remember the past. And so maybe you struggle today of being thankful for where you're at. It's because you've forgotten what God has done in the past. The last way we're going to remember today is as we take the Lord's Supper. The Bible says the purpose of the Lord's Supper, the, the, the bread and the juice, the purpose of that is to be a symbol to remind us of the the body that was broken and the blood that was shed for our sins. And so it's easy for us to start to think, I'm the one who earned this favor with God. I'm the one whose my actions is why, why God loves me. And to forget that the cross and the blood and the body of Christ is the reason that God is the one who loves us and accepts us and walks with us. So our hearts need the reminder that that sacrifice was for our sins. That's why we do it over and over and over again. That's, that's why the Bible tells us as believers to do it over and over again. You know why? Because we forget. And so what you should be thinking about today as we pull the elements out, as you think about the body and blood of Christ, you should think about the sacrifice Christ paid for your sins, what he did for you and I. So as, we, as you think about being a thankful person, you need to study the greatness of God. You need to remember the greatness of God. But the third one is we need to experience his greatness. You cannot, you cannot be thankful for his greatness if you have not experienced it because of the redemption found in Christ. Simply put, you must be a Christian to fully experience the greatness of God. Look at verse 9. He sent, God sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. You see, the Lord redeemed his people. He's the one who brings his people from death to life. And so, even as you look back and see how God redeemed his people in the past, we as believers today see the sent redemption to us as the Lord Jesus Christ. And once we know his redemption in our lives, we could then, at the end of verse 9, say this praise, holy and awesome is his name. That that's what flows as you know the redemption and the gospel has changed your life. 
you then have this outflowing of praise and you call out and say, holy and awesome is the name of God. You see, you can't be thankful for freedom you don't have. You can't be thankful for a freedom you don't have. You know, we're coming up on Christmas. We now have our Christmas decorations up here at the church. I know some of you have your trees already up at the house. I think one of my neighbors had, his, had their tree up on their porch as we were walking around for Halloween. They started early, right? As you think about Christmas, we think about gifts, do we not? You know, you, there's probably a picture is going to be in your house where there's a tree, and at the base of that tree are wrapped gifts. And the Bible says that we were separated from God in our sin. And then Romans chapter 3 describes Jesus Christ as a gift. Uses the word gift. It's a gift of grace. And grace is where you are giving something, is you're given something and you don't do anything for it. It's a, it's a pure gift. It's a gift given to us. And the way Christ works is that Christ is the gift given, but you and I must turn from our sin and place our faith in Jesus, and then that gift is like the song we just sang, is applied. The blood is applied to our lives, and that's when we're redeemed, alive in Christ, and new creations. That's when we're saved. That, that, that's the difference, right? So, so go back to the picture of the gift. Imagine at the house a gift that you go, maybe you go over to your family's house and somebody gives you a gift. It's wrapped beautiful. It's a box. It has a bow on that gift. You go over to your family's house. That gift sits at the tree and you don't open it. You leave it there. You even leave it and you go home on Christmas Day. You don't take it with you. And that gift stays right there at your loved one's house. You don't take it with you. And months from now, that gift's still wrapped. You never took it. It's never been a benefit to you. You couldn't use it in your life. How in the world are you ever going to be thankful for a gift you never opened? And if you're not a Christian here today, if you never placed your faith in Christ, you don't know the gift. You've never experienced being redeemed, being made new. That's why the psalmist says, praise to God, give thanks to him. But you can't unless you've known the redemption found in the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you're ever gonna come to church and worship with your whole heart. I know you probably see people around you. You sit here and you get your hands in your pockets while we're singing. You're probably not singing at all. Your mind might even be somewhere else, right? You, you're checked out. This doesn't, you don't feel anything while we're, preaching's going on. You, you feel kind of numb and you're just standing there. And so first one doesn't describe you. Worshiping with your whole heart, you know you're not. I'm not saying you have to have your hands raised. I, I'm just saying that you know inside there's nothing going on. You just kind of, eh, when's this over, right? 
Maybe the reason you feel that way is because you're lost in your sin. You've never met Christ. Never been truly saved. So in order for you to experience this great gift and be truly thankful, you're going to have to turn from your sin and turn to Christ. So, so we, thankfulness comes from the fact that we, have, we study him, we, we, we come to him, we remember what the greatness of God is, but we have to experience it in the gospel. But let me give you a fourth way in which we're thankful is we praise his greatness. We, we give praise and glory with all our lives to his greatness. Look at, look at verse 10. Verse 1 and 10 kind of serve as bookends here to the, to the psalm. And notice what he says. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. So, so the end it is this crescendo. He starts this, praise the Lord. It's the first thing he says. And at the end, he says, praise the Lord forever. But the way he ends his praise is by living that praise. Look, look at those who praise God. They fear him. They fear the Lord. They, they not only fear the Lord, they then have wisdom. And then when they have that wisdom, they practice it. See it there? They, the beginning of wisdom and all those who practice it, it being the wisdom, have a good understanding. So, so here are, here's the crescendo of praise is fearing the Lord knowing wisdom, and then acting on that wisdom. You have to understand that our praise of God is our entire life. It's not just spent in just one hour on a Sunday morning. See, maybe the reason that you struggle with praise in this one hour is the other 167 hours of the week your life is spent on something else. You see, thankfulness comes from remembering, it comes from, from studying, but ultimately it comes from the fact our entire lives, everything we have is spent to the glory of God. That's real thankful worship, is that every minute of every day is connected to the Lord. So maybe the reason this one hour isn't so meaningful it's because uh, the other 167 of the week, you, you're not thinking about the Lord at all. You know, at my house, um, my wife, I do most of the cooking at the grill. She does most in, inside. And, and one thing I do inside, particularly, I like cooking breakfast. And so I've gotten pretty good. I, I like to cook eggs. Get up, cook some eggs, and Usually throw a little bit of cheese in there with them, make them a little extra good. But I like, I like some eggs. But I've tried, I've learned my favorite pan to cook eggs in is an iron skillet. I like a good seasoned iron skillet to cook the eggs in. It, it makes a good way to cook them. I'll even cook, sometimes I've learned to cook a steak on them. If anybody's ever learned to do this, you can drop Steak, you could put that iron skillet there on the, on the stove. You didn't realize you were getting a cooking lesson at church today. So you can take this home and take it with you. And you can take that on, put it on the stove, and you turn it up super hot. 
I mean, like, the steam is starting to come off of this skillet. I, I mean, you're starting to wonder if you're about to damage the pan. I mean, it's super hot. And you take that steak and you drop it right on there. I mean, I'm talking, it sears that steak. It sets off the smoke alarms in your house. It does the whole thing. But one of the things about cooking with that iron skillet is the fact that once you get it hot, it stays hot. That's why it helps, right? You drop that steak on there. You know that it's not going to cool the pan back off. You know that pan's going to stay warm. That heat's deep in there because you... You spent some time warming that pan up, and now it's, it's hot all the time. You see, our hearts require that kind of constant heat. That's why we study the greatness of God. We press in. We want to know every detail. That's why we're constantly having to remember because our minds are leaking and forgetting. That's why it requires the gospel to make them new. But then out of all that means that every part of the week is spent to the the greatness and the glory of God. And then as we build that deep heat, as as our hearts begin to become aflame, that's when it carries. It's like momentum that, that builds inside of you and it it brings about the praise of our Lord. So maybe the reason you're not thankful today is you don't have your eyes on the greatness of God. To peer at how wonderful and amazing he is. So as you go into this Thanksgiving week, I challenge you. Put your eyes on him. Get it off all the other junk. Put it on him alone. And and this heart of gratitude will just come with it. It will begin to overflow. You may not feel it right now. If you go looking for thankfulness, you'll miss it. If you're looking for the greatness of God, thankfulness will come with it. And one of the ways we... Do this as a church as we take the Lord's Supper. We spend a few moments putting our minds on the body and the blood of Christ. Now, as a part of taking the Lord's Supper, what we're doing here is remembering what he's done. So as we take a few moments here of meditation, I want you to put your mind on Christ and his sacrifice for your sins. But also, as we prepare for that, the Lord's Supper isn't for everyone. We're glad you're all here with us today. But the table, to be invited to the table is for a group of people. It's for believers only. So when I talked about earlier, if you're in Christ or not, if you're a believer or follower, I would encourage you, only take the Lord's Supper if you are a follower of Christ. To even press that further, you maybe maybe have a a child here who's today that would like to take that, but if if they're not a believer yet, don't don't let them take of the elements. It'll be a good conversation to go over the gospel. And then then I'll even press that further. The the scriptures say that we should examine ourselves before we come to to the table to where if we have an unrepented sin, a sin we have not repented of before the Lord, if we... If we have that in our lives, an issue with someone we need to resolve, then then don't take the supper. We'll we'll do this again. It'll happen again as a church. But but let those elements 
pass you by. Don't take the supper today. Now, we do, in a way, even though we say believers only, if you're visiting with us today and you're a member of another church, you believe the gospel as well, uh, we would invite you to take the supper with us. You, you don't have to be a member of Richland Creek uh, to take of the supper. Now, many of you have the elements there in front of you. Now, this requires a little bit of instruction and time, so I'd like for you to get those out now. And then I'm going to say a word of prayer for us, and then we'll have some time of meditation before we take these elements. So if you will, you notice there in front of you, there's a little uh, thin film on the top. Let's go ahead and pull that off. And that will pull off. You'll have the wafer there. And then you could go ahead and set that down and take the other top piece off. That way, when we take the, take the elements here at a moment, we can focus just on the body and blood of Christ. We don't have to think about this. Now go ahead and finish opening those. As we do that, you can continue with that. I'd like to say a word of prayer for us. Uh, then Carla's gonna come and play a little bit or play the piano now and just give us a moment to pray. So I would encourage you to take these moments after I pray to meditate and to think, prepare your heart, and then we'll take the Lord's Supper together as a body of believers. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we do... We do thank you for the gospel. We thank you for the fact that you loved us enough to die for us, to pay the penalty for the sin that we deserve. So Lord, in these moments, may, may our hearts overflow with gratitude and worship of you for what you have done for us. I pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Just take a moment in prayer. Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it. He said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me.
In the same way also he took the cup. And after supper, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. You didn't take the supper today. You, you didn't take of the elements because you're not a believer. You might have felt a little left out. You say, what? Well, was I not part of this? The answer is you were part of this. You may not have known it. The very next thing Jesus said is, for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So every single time we take the supper, it's a It's a visual picture of what Christ has done for our sins. The Lord brought you here so you might see that picture today. You might see what he did to redeem you. And so this is for you. So you might turn from your sin and place your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So today's response for you may be simply, to place your faith in the Lord Jesus. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the body and blood of Christ. I pray for those here today that realize their heart is not with you, they're not redeemed, they're not a new creation. I pray that by the power of your blood, your body and your sacrifice on the cross, that you by your spirit will make them alive in Christ today. Help them to turn from their sin and to place their faith in you today. Lord, I pray for those here that that their hearts were dry and Lord, your word made them alive. Lord, we're so thankful for how by your spirit you make our hearts alive today. And may we sing and give you praise and honor that you deserve. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.